Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really enacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Yeah, that's really the truth. If you want to change things about yourself, whether you're a sex addict or a betrayed partner, the truth of the matter is you have to put in to yourself the work that it's going to take to undo the damage of either addiction or a partner betrayal. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So excited to be interviewing Dr. Jill Manning, who just has an amazing amount of resources on her website, uh, and that is Manning. M-A-N-N-I-N-G dot com. Today we're going to be talking about affirmations, and affirmations are so very important in reprogramming the brain. You know, I have in both of my books um, the need for reality affirmations. You know, when you are able to express the concern you have in real time, and identify what is it about you that is going to be able to surpass, get through, overcome, whatever the struggle is. And I'm telling you, Dr. Manny has done just a beautiful job of creating 131 affirmations on things that everybody wants in their life. Hope, self-worth, you know, boundaries, reality, needs and wants, moderation. I mean, the list just keeps going. And so I cannot wait to talk to her. And she is such a researcher. She's going to have, I guarantee you, empirically based data to support why affirmations are so important. Now, a little plug for me. I have, for clinicians and coaches and professionals around the world that work in sex addiction or partner betrayal, I have created an empathy certification to teach professionals how to work with couples. You know, my helper, Heal, was a vehicle to teach addicts empathy so that they could help their wives heal. And what I began to notice is that clinicians and coaches alike were struggling with couples because they didn't necessarily have the exercises 
or the theoretical background to know how to help a couple work through the first two phases of partner betrayal, which is safety and stabilization and anger, grief, mourning, and loss, to get them to post-traumatic growth. So if you're interested, I have so many clinicians and coaches that listen to this show, or if you want your coach or clinician to become more specialized, please have them go to the AppSats website. AppSats is sponsoring me, and we all know that's the partner-sensitive training institute for clinicians and coaches to help partners work through betrayal. So go to AppSats, A-P-S-A-T-S dot org, under the training tab, and then look for Dr. Jake Porter and myself who are going to be doing this certification together. And you're going to be hearing more about this. I'm getting Jake on the show so that we can talk about IRCM, the Early Recovery Couples Empathy Model that will keep everybody safe while moving them through the three phases of partner betrayal. That's IRCM. <laughs> Not Urkel, but IRCM. And uh, I'm just so blessed to have a community that wants this information. I love to teach. Uh, It's going to be so incredible. There's lots of videos. There's lots of handouts um, and very practical, practical information. You can always email me at carol at carolthecoach.com if you want more information, too. But literally, you can register by going to AppSats, A-P-S-A-T-S dot com. No, I guess it's dot org. Excuse me. Go to the training tab. And then I think we are the first training because we're the next training that AppSats is providing. Okay. Now, AppSats means a lot to me. And, you know, Dr. Jill and I were on the AppSats board, so it means a lot to her, too. I have a story. I, I was, um, I read every morning. And I read inspirational material, and then I read some literature. So when Oprah was in publication, I was reading the story on trauma, and later on I talked about partner betrayal, trauma. And they were interviewing Dr. Kevin Skinner, a CSAT, a certified sex addiction therapist, and Dr. Jill Manning about trauma and sexual betrayal. And I I was so excited for her. I mean, it's, it's such a loyal readership. It had such an incredible following, and it was exposing so many men and women to this concept of sex addiction and partner betrayal and trauma. Because, you know, for so long... People didn't know what to think about women or men that had been traumatized by sexual betrayal. And that's why I'm glad today we're going to be talking about very concrete, realistic um, tools that one can use to retrain the brain and really deal with the natural byproduct that occurs, which is shame and guilt. Their affirmations are very powerful. And I know there's been a lot of sitcoms that have made fun of it. You know, whether it was a Gary Schmalley or whatever who said, I'm beautiful, I'm handsome, and I'm a good person. But the truth of the matter is that you do have to retrain your brain. If you're an addict, you have to move out of the shame and retrain your brain to Be in the present and see the growth and the change you're making. And if you're a partner, you have to know that his addiction was not about you and that all the collateral damage that was caused, I don't want to say can be undone, but it can help to be processed and rectified by putting healthy thoughts into your head 
that are absolutely 100% about you. And so they really do interrupt the shaming and the distorted thinking that typical typically occurs with cognitions. You know, so many researchers say that we have about five to 90,000 thoughts in our brain and three quarters of them are negative. You know, they may not be negative, I hate myself thoughts, but there are things like, I'm gonna be late, I may not have gotten this right. Um, thoughts that infer inadequacy. And, and when you've had trauma on top of that, and that's the normal population, when you've had trauma on top of that, you know, your whole world can unravel. And so Dr. Jill Manning has made it her mission to provide a website full of very affordable tools, amazing tools. You go on this website and you just immediately, you calm down, you breathe slowly. I mean, it's a beautiful website and you can tell that she knows what traumatized partners and people need. So Dr. Jill, welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Thank you. It's a joy to be here with you. Well, every time you come on the show, you have a new tool that I, as a partner um, betrayal therapist, always recommend. And, and I even find it helpful for addicts because they oftentimes have had their own sense of trauma. And if they're in good recovery, they're traumatized by seeing the trauma that occurred to their partners. So they get traumatized in lots of different ways, too. And these affirmations are absolutely amazing. Can you share with our listening audience what your definition is for an affirmation? Sure. So I'm going to give a, the simple definition that I use, and then I want to uh, share two other ideas that tie in with the importance of this word, affirmation. So the working definition that I use, Carol, is that an affirmation is a statement, a declaration of a truth, a hope, a goal, or a desired mindset. And we use affirmations to interrupt shaming or distorting thinking patterns. And the reason why we do that is hopefully to foster a more compassionate internal dialogue. That's the goal. And we'll talk in a little while about why that's so beneficial and how that ties in with trauma work specifically. But I think, you know, the question, what is an affirmation? We can learn so much by looking at the word itself. So the word affirmation comes from the Latin word affirmare, which means to make steady or strengthen or to make firm. And when we think when we've been betrayed, what is it that gets rocked to our core? It's often our sense of self our core self-concept. So I see affirmation work as key to restoring health and healing, but also to make steady that which has been wounded or hurt. And if we look at the definition of affirmation in the dictionary, I want to read four of the statements that the dictionary outlines, and I want you to pick up on what you see as the common word that pops out for you. Okay, Carol? Yeah, I'm ready. So, okay, so number one, this is coming from the dictionary. Affirmation is the act or an instance of affirming, the assertion that something exists or is true, a statement or proposition that is declared to be true, confirmation or ratification of a truth, or validity of a prior judgment. So what's one of the words that you heard most repeated in that list of definitions? Mm, boy. Um, I'm not sure. Was it validity? Was it? I don't know. What was it? The one that popped out that's repeated the most is true. Truth and true. And, and I love that because I think that's what affirmation and affirmation practice can do is it helps us get back to our truth, our core values, our core beliefs, the truth of who we are, and also the truth of our reality. Because 
affirmation work, as we'll talk about, is not to blow sunshine or to make everything rainbows and unicorns. It's to anchor ourselves in truth, which is being in touch and attuned to our reality, which is a core of recovery work of all kinds, right? So I see that's just so instructive to me that it helps me get back to my truth. It helps steady and strengthen and helps engender a more compassionate internal dialogue. Well, and and Dr. Jill, I've got to tell you that what I am learning more and more about is the need for self-compassion to occur to neutralize um, all the uh, contamination and the collateral damage that has occurred from sex addiction and partner betrayal. And so I heard in your definitions that it's really about giving to oneself the truth of what is real and with self-compassion. And that's what I believe partners have a lot of trouble with. They, They forget that they have to give to themselves what they need most in this time of crisis. Yes, and I love the word you used, neutralizing, because I also see affirmation work and an affirmation practice as being the counterbalance. It, It neutralizes shame and all the toxicity that comes up when we're dealing with trauma of all kinds. But I think betrayal, would you agree, Carol? It it just, it carries such a unique punch with it to our sense of self that uh, anything that we can find that helps steady and and strengthen that core is just so uh, needed. Yes, absolutely, the core, as well as I know earlier you had said something about values, and and truly mm-hmm. it shakes core values um, to its core. And so affirmations are a way to recircuit, if you will, the brain when crisis has occurred and you no longer know what is real. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Okay, now, so, sorry. I was going to say, how did you get into this work? Because your your passion is helping partners to get healthy and to be gentle and to reprogram. Mm-hmm. Now, are you asking how I got involved with betrayal trauma work, or how I became interested in affirmation work? Affirmation work. Affirmation work. Well, I'd love to <laughs> Sure. Well, let's start, with, given our focus today. I personally struggled with this for many, many years. I did not see the value in it. So I think I am a good representative, Carol, of the peanut gallery that's like, no, that's bunk. That's just blowing sunshine. It's fluff. That doesn't work. <laughs> because that was me for a long time. And I'll tell you what, for many, many years, I struggled with anxiety, suffered. In fact, it wasn't just a struggle. I really suffered with anxiety, dealt with depression for a very long time from my late teens, well, well past into adulthood. And I really believed that the things I thought about myself and life were true. And I think that's one of the challenges is when we are in a shame cycle or we grew up in a family system where certain things were just accepted, this is truth. It's really hard or it's going to be harder to see the benefit of affirmation work because the things we think that may be very toxic and shaming, we have never been able to step out of those long enough to challenge them and see that, hang on, those may not be true. So some of it was my own healing journey out of anxiety and depression to realize that I needed, if I was going to conquer those battles in my life, I needed to find a way to have a more internally compassionate dialogue with myself. And so I'm here today as a convert of 
the power of affirmation work, and it's still a work in progress. I do not want to misrepresent myself that I'm somehow a fully evolved expert on this topic. I'm learning all the time about this, and I have to catch myself when I, you know, get wobbly. But it, it really was through my own journey of healing, and then clinically, seeing the power of working with individuals that are stuck in these just whirlpools of toxicity, the messages that they get from society, from a partner, from a betrayal, which I think betrayal especially just really intensifies a lot of toxic or insecure thoughts that we may be having about oneself. So it was through clinical work and my own journey that I saw that a compassionate internal dialogue really is a common thread in all healing work. You see a need for that in EMDR and brain spotting work, CBT work, cognitive behavioral therapy work, DBT work, dialectical behavioral therapy work. You take any of the trauma modalities, they have a common thread of helping people be more internally resourced and having their inside world be a softer place to land. Softer not meaning that we give ourselves a pass, but that it's a place that is more friendly, more nurturing and supportive. Yeah, well, that absolutely makes a lot of sense. And you obviously mentioned a variety of other techniques that are used to reprogram the brain and to um, process information in a very gentle way. Um, So I want to ask you, because you've got the affirmations that you are working with are subtitles. I mean, they're categorized into what I consider to be brilliant Categories, And so when you first get the affirmation resource toolbox, um, is what I'm calling it, it starts out with hope. Mm. Tell me what made you decide that the partners needed these very um, hopeful categories. Sure. So let me just speak briefly, Carol, about the need for the organization with affirmations. One of the things I personally struggled with when I would try to look up, you know, I'd hear or read, you know, affirmations are a good thing. Okay, and I'd go online, that would often be my starting point, and I'd look up affirmations. And I ran into two things that were stumbling blocks for me personally being able to utilize them and get traction, and I see this with my own clients. One, is it was, they were often just long lists, just lists and lists and lists of affirmations that sounded and looked like lovely statements, very nice statements, but it, they weren't organized in a way that made it user-friendly or that you could really grab onto them. The second thing I noticed is that they were often very uh, religious-based. And I think I've experienced in my own clinical work uh, with clients that that has been something that has just not aligned with where people are at sometimes, right? They're not wanting that piece. Or sometimes people have dealt with spiritual abuse and that's just not where their head or heart are at. So when I created an affirmation resource, I wanted it to be organized. And as you well noted, the first category is hope. And I did that deliberately because when we are struggling emotionally, whether it's with anxiety, depression, trauma, a relationship that we're really uh, feeling challenged with, it can feel really hopeless in a hurry. And so to start with affirmations that engender moderate statements about hope, I felt was really important. So things like, just to give some examples, healing from trauma is possible. That's a true statement. And I know in my own life that's been something that's really given me hope, especially on days where I feel really caved in with something. And so that's, that was the idea of starting with hope, because if we don't have hope, it's hard to get going on any path. You know, any time someone comes into our offices, 
Carol, or reaches out for help, there is at least a spark of hope that has prompted that call or them walking in. And so to build that with affirmations focused on hope, I think, is really critical. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I always say that clinicians that work within partner betrayal are beacons for hope because we do remind partners of their brilliance, of their capability, of their strength, and then we take it one step further and we're able to share with them others that have found hope too, so that they know that they're not alone when they're going through the crisis and they're not alone mm-hmm. as they're moving towards what I call restoration or post-traumatic growth. Yes. And, and the gift it is, isn't it, and, and blessing even, to have someone we can companion with and link arms with that sometimes holds the hope for us if we don't feel we're able to do that fully on our own yet. Right, that, that I think is part of the um, power of healing relationships, either you know, a betrayal trauma coach or betrayal trauma specialist, for instance, that can hold that hope in a very authentic way until we're able to carry more and more of that on our own. And, and Dr. Jill, can you explain how affirmations change the brain? Because I know you do a lot of research and you're very empirically based. So how do affirmations change the brain? Sure. And this is a large conversation, but to keep this as succinct and on point as I can, there's three key things that the research shows us that affirmations do. They reduce certain things. They increase certain things, and they counteract certain things. So let me briefly go through those. What we know the research shows us about what affirmations do to reduce, they reduce stress, anxiety, and defensiveness, and particularly defensiveness that's associated with threats that we're feeling about our self-concept or our performance. You know, if, if a threat may be we've made a real whopper of a mistake, right? If we're in a very shame-based state, people will feel threatened or flooded by that and they'll shut down and withdraw. If I have the ability to affirm myself and I know that my value as a human being is not dependent on my performance, my worth doesn't change whether I really mess up or whether I get a straight A on something, Um, an A plus I mean on something. So it lowers that defensiveness. Uh, We're able to take that in more without it sinking us into a shame attack, which leads us to what it increases. We know that it increases our ability to self-process, the areas in the brain that are needed to engage in self-processing, self-awareness, self-perception. All of those become more active in the brain when we are able to honestly engage in affirmation work. And I say honestly because, again, it's not about blowing smoke or sunshine, right? It's really finding affirmations that meet your needs, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. We also know from research that affirmations increase physical health. In fact, there's been research that has shown in terms of cardiovascular health, our heart, that people are twice as likely to have good heart health if they are more optimistic and self-affirming. And that's, Carol, even when they control for age, body weight, and socioeconomic status. That's really compelling. So, for instance, if you take two people that are 40, if both people had a high body mass index, which we think, okay, they're more prone to a variety of health issues, but one is self-affirming and one is not, the person that's self-affirming will be twice as likely to have better heart health than the same person beside them. That's, that's amazing. So there's things it reduces, there's things that it increases, and as we mentioned earlier, we know that they counteract those shame, shaming, and, uh, shaming dynamics and also distorted thinking and beliefs. So those are three, I think, compelling reasons from the research alone that point us in the direction that affirmations in our own lives and in our own healing work that we're engaged in, if we're clinicians or coaches, is an essential component. 
Well, absolutely. And what we know that all sorts of trauma can affect the health and well-being of a client, but to hear that affirmations can affect heart health and other forms of health is a a secondary reason to really work hard at, at wanting this to be a part of our own thinking. You know, there is no doubt that partners suffer from cognitive distortions. That's a natural byproduct of the betrayal itself. And so many of our partners say, I'm unworthy, I'm not lovable, I'll never find a relationship, I'm not safe, life doesn't love me, God doesn't love me. And the truth is, and you know this through CBT, there may be a part of that that feels real, but there's also other parts that counteract that that feel real too. And I love the fact that your affirmations are very realistic. I mean, under the hope um, affirmation, you've got, I am growing. I am learning. All those things are true. It doesn't say I'm a movie star or a rock star. You know, it says, Change can begin in this moment. So yes. I applaud you for being able to find affirmations that support relational trauma healing. Now, obviously I said, how would you get into this? And I asked you to define it. And you came up with 131 affirmations. And can you share some of the categories, and why you picked those specifically. Sure thing. So the categories in this particular document, and these are not comprehensive. This is I wanted this to be a, a, an effective start point for someone that may be new to affirmation work. And the categories I organized the affirmations around are hope, self-worth, boundaries, reality, needs and wants, moderation, and personal empowerment. And I chose those very deliberately for a number of reasons. One, going back to what I mentioned earlier, I wanted it to be organized. I think that's one of the things that gets this off to a less than effective start for people when it's just, where do I begin with this, right? It's like begging smoke. There's so many nice things I could say. There's so many inspirational quotes. That's not what this is about. This is about identifying genuine emotional needs or stuck points that we have. And what I mean by stuck points are those beliefs or statements that we repeatedly get sucked into when we get triggered or something's coming up. And so what I invite my own clients to do, and I've done this myself several times, is when you're in, when you're in a funk Right. If you're feeling really triggered, if you're just really having a rough day or a rough week, I encourage people to write out, just do a brain dump of all the thoughts that you are having about yourself or the situation. And then I encourage people to look for the patterns. Look for the theme or pattern that's coming up in, the, in that free flow listing of ideas. And let's say on that list, Someone has a lot of statements about their worth. I'm no good. I'm never going to be good at this or, you know, whatever it may be. Well, that's where I'd want someone to say, okay, you know, it looks like there's a lot of statements that are circling around in your heart and mind about your worth or capability as a human being. Let's look at the affirmations about self-worth and choose one that would emotionally meet your need where you're at and feel nurturing. And I ask people when they read through these, check in with your body. See which ones help you give that sense of relief or like, ah, I can breathe. That feels, that resonates. That grabs me. That's going to be a good sign that it's an affirmation that is actually meeting a need for you. So they're Mm -hmm. organized according to categories and needs. And to really get traction with this, I want people to match up where are the most toxic thoughts in your life that trip you up the most often, and what do those thoughts point to in terms of a need. So, for instance, someone may 
be really upset with something that their spouse is doing repeatedly. And they need to make a request, but they don't feel like they have the power or that they're worth enough to take a stand and really speak and voice what they're needing. They may have had a traumatic experience growing up. They may have been given messages uh, about their gender, their age, through religion, whatever it may be, that they, they don't feel like they are allowed to speak up and ask for whatever it is they, they're wanting to ask of their spouse. That's where I'd want someone to spend some time in the affirmations under self-worth, find one that resonates and feels authentic for them. It's, I don't mind if they modify it. In fact, I like it when people modify it to really make it personalized for them. And look at one in needs and wants or personal empowerment. Just choose two or three that way and start with those. You can start small. Even one statement can make a world of difference. I know several months ago I had had a challenging conversation with a family member. And Carol, I'd worked so hard. I really had spent time very thoughtfully preparing what I would say and what I wouldn't, what I was going to ask for. I really, I thought, I really got my ducks in a row. It did not go well. And I felt really badly about that for several days afterward. And it was my affirmation that I was able to hang on to that reminded myself I can learn from things that don't go well. And what it did was it kind of it counterbalanced the threat of, oh my goodness, that didn't go well. What am I going to do? What was wrong with me? Well, I didn't prepare enough. Well, no, that wasn't true at all. I had prepared a lot, actually. Sometimes things don't go well. But we can learn from those things. And I think that ties in with what the research was saying that we talked to point on a little while ago, affirmations can reduce the sense of threat and our defensiveness, and it opens up possibility for learning. I think that's so powerful, mm-hmm. right? It opens the door. We can learn. We can grow. Well, and it, it decreases that sense of shame that can accompany a situation that doesn't go exactly the way you want it to. And very clearly, what I know to be true is that when you can emotionally reframe a situation and instead of beating yourself up because something didn't go well and say, wow, I can learn from this. I have a better understanding of how that person feels or how he or she sees things and really put it back into a perspective that empowers you as opposed to victimizes you, that's what growth is all about. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what you're sharing, Carol, what it reminds me of is one of my very favorite TED Talks by Dr. Shauna Shapiro. It's excellent. It's entitled The Power of Mindfulness. And the, the TED Talk is focused on mindfulness, as the title suggests, but there's a whole section in that TED Talk where she shows brain scans uh, that look at what the brain looks like when it's in a high shame state. It's mm-hmm. fascinating. And when the brain is in a high shame state, there's virtually a blackout in the entire middle portion of the brain. Well, that's significant because when there's a blackout in any part of the brain, we've got a problem. But when there's a blackout in the middle of the brain, we are not able to learn, we are not able to be empathetic, and we are not able to attach and be relational. So this is important for addicts and as, as well as partners. When we're in high shame, when we are doing a running stream of shaming thoughts within ourselves, or we're allowing someone shaming statements to come in and we're not exercising good internal boundaries, we're just taking that in like a milkshake straw, mm-hmm. it's affecting our physiology. In those moments, we are not able to be relational, empathize, or be uh, in our best learning state. Whereas if we can shift, and it's practice, shift more into an affirming, reality-based, truth-based posture, the brain comes back online, we have more activity in the brain, and we're able to learn, we're able to be relational and empathize. So it, it really matters. I mean, we need this in couple healing, 
This this whole mm-hmm. idea needs to be understood in couple repair. How do we affirm our partner? That's hard to do, right? What what can we affirm honestly and authentically when someone has mm-hmm. really deeply hurt us? And um, you know there is there there is risk in that. There is no doubt that many of the partners that I work with, when they're in couples work, they share that they're afraid to affirm the growth and the change in the addict because they're afraid they'll get duped again or they're afraid that that the addict will be able to sustain the changes and they feel like if they're part of noticing the progress that it will hurt even more if he doesn't. And Mm -hmm. you and I both know from a psychological standpoint, people do need reinforcement first and foremost, from ourselves. But secondly, reinforcement carries a lot of weight, and that's why we tell parents, please notice the effort within your, within your children, not mm-hmm. the outcome, because the outcome may not be perfect. The outcome may not even look close to where you want it, but if you notice the effort, they're more likely to want the change, to want to keep growing, and to love themselves because you love them too. And that's not codependency. That is human nature. And so one more time, Dr. Jill, tell us um, the name of that TED Talk and the person who gave it. It's called The Power of Mindfulness, and it is by Dr. Shauna Shapiro. And she is a professor, I believe, at the University of Oregon who studies the brain and the effects of affirmation and mindfulness on the brain. She's done fascinating work. And and circling back to what you were just saying, Carol, it's such a fine line, isn't it, of it's Mm -hmm. not the role of the partner to be the cheerleader or the primary affirmer of an addict in recovery. I want to make that clear for listeners and maybe thinking, yeah, right, (laughs) right, no way. You know, that is the primary role of uh, his or her sponsor clinical team. But when we get into later stages of recovery, it is important that we are able to recognize change and growth in ourselves and in our partner, even if the relationship is not reconciling, right? That I can that I can recognize growth and maybe someone that I'm co-parenting with. Well, I was going to say that sometimes that is easy, even easier because you have less skin in the game interpersonally, but you mm-hmm. obviously you have skin in the game when it comes to rearing your children. And so I find that when couples decide to separate, that's sometimes the easiest time for them to really notice and affirm the changes in the progress. That being said, you know, I'm a couples um, partner specialist. I really work with couples to help healing occur, and you're exactly right. It isn't the job of a partner to be the cheerleader, and yet in early recovery couples work, when they get to a certain point through the, that three-phase model that APSATS uses where they're, they've got one foot in the grief, mourning, anger, and loss, and the other foot in, hey, they're feeling better and they're seeing changes, it's okay to begin to trust that process of affirming your partner because you do see the changes. And I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good point. So that being said, I want to talk a little bit more about your document. I mean, I was singing your praises saying how beautiful your website is. It is, it is next. It's interesting. I have a, a friend, Darren um, Ford. Are you aware of him? I've heard his name, but I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know him. Well, he sees that, and he also runs a mindfulness center for addicts and partners out in California. And you both have the most beautiful <laughs> website that one could imagine, and they both oh, thank you. just reflect. Yeah, oh, they reflect that mindful knowing um, of what can increase and encourage healing. And so, 
would you share? I'm going to remind everybody that your website is super simple. It is www.drjillmanning.com. But would you tell us, Dr. Jill, about some of the other products you have on this website? Certainly, and thank you for that. Um, opportunity to highlight this because it's really been a labor of passion and love. I, I wanted to create resources that for anyone that's been betrayed that they could utilize in an affordable, easy way uh, to introduce elements of good betrayal trauma healing either in their own self improvement efforts, self-healing efforts, or if they live somewhere where they don't have access to a specialist, that that could be complementary to the work they're doing. So I had two audiences in mind for my digital downloads, these documents, several of which are free, by the way. The Betrayal Trauma First Aid is a really popular document that's free. I think I have seven or eight documents on there that are free of charge. You can download those easily with no cost. But I, I wanted people who are dealing with betrayal, but also clinicians and coaches to have resources they can utilize. And when you purchase these, they they go, they're from free to I think $30 is the largest for a bundle of uh, documents. Most are $10 to $15 range. But once you've purchased that, you can use that indefinitely. You can reuse that in your own personal work, or if a clinician or coach purchased those, they can use those forevermore with their own clients. I just ask that they not share them with other people, you know, other colleagues, or disperse them around a clinic, let's say. So it, yeah. I feel it's a really generous terms and limits uh, agreement, and just really wanting to improve the quality of resources for betrayal trauma healing work and offer something that can reach out and branch out and help those that may not have access to expensive therapies or um, or maybe in, living in a location where that's not readily available. So that, that was the vision and goal behind this, uh, really was to help betrayed individuals and those working with them. Well, and, and it shows, it absolutely shows you've made it your mission. And do you see clients or are you all research-based and creating products and doing articles and things like that? I do see clients. That's the bulk of my work. So my practice is on the smaller side because I have children at home and so I wear different hats, but uh, I do see clients. I am board certified in telehealth, although I do only do remote care within my state of licensure, which is Colorado. Uh, If people fly to Colorado and want to do an intensive, that is an option as well that ethically um, is set up and that I do. And so these, well, these documents are woven into the groups that I run, and individual clients of mine have access to any and all of these documents. So I, it, it's to enhance the, the quality and the structure of good trauma, te- trauma healing work. I love that. We have to wrap up, and I'm wondering, do you have any parting thoughts um, or ideas that you want to convey to our listeners, you know, about about your affirmations or about their own physical and mental health? Yes, and thank you for asking that, Carol. I'd want to encourage people to be patient. I think one of the misconceptions about affirmation work is that they're supposed to start working right away, and they can. They can in some cases, but when you think most of us, I'm speaking for myself, have likely had toxic or shaming beliefs or things we've said to ourselves for decades sometimes, it takes time. It is a practice. And so I think the best, the key to success is to be aware of where your toxic or distorted thoughts most commonly fall, what category, you know, what theme do many of them cluster around, and then to choose affirmations that directly target those emotional needs, whether it's worth, empowerment, hope, um, boundaries, let's say, and to practice it. They can be woven into daily meditation practice, 
trigger skill work, just something we daily ponder. And I, I want to close with a quote, and this is a quote by Dr. William James. He has since been deceased a very long time. He was a philosopher and American professor. He was actually the first person in the United States, Carol, to teach a class at a university about psychology. So very influential. And he said, quote, the greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. I just love that statement. The greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. And it speaks to that idea of empowerment, that we do have choices, that the running stream when we are triggered and are having a, a tough day is not stagnant and does not have to stay that way. We do have choices. We can reflect and decide what we need and what kind of messaging we want to nourish ourselves and support ourselves with so that we can, going back to the meaning of that word that comes from a firm air, the Latin term, that we can help make ourselves steady and stronger and more firm in our core concept. Well, and that's why your affirmations are so empowering. Dr. Jill Manning, thank you again so much. Take a look at her affirmations. And they are under her website, drjillmanning.com, and they are listed as 131 uh, affirmations to support relational trauma healing. And, you know, I just can't wait to see what else you uh, put forth into the world because anybody who's been traumatized can benefit from these affirmations. Thank you again. Thank you, Carol for all you're doing, and say thank you for this invitation today. Always, always come back and see me, and we'll talk <laughs> soon. Will do. Take good okay. care. Bye. You too. Bye. All right. So another um, bright and shining light in this dark world, uh, shedding hope and um, personal empowerment to anybody who really needs to reprocess their brain with gentle compassion. Okay, we'll see you next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach. And as I say at the end of every show, there'll only be one of you at all times, so fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Make it a good one. <laughs>